Welcome to Roar. My name is Sam Spellman. Thank you so very much for checking out this show, checking out the podcast, um, checking out the conversation. I am super duper duper jazzed about it today. Today we're going to talk out of uh, the book of Matthew. This is your first time, excuse me, if this is your first time listening to this podcast. Um, The show is called Roar, Revealing Our Amazing Redeemer. That's what Roar stands for. And uh, basically, I just get in and read some of the word and maybe share some things that uh, has come to light in my life on them or just some things that I believe the Lord is speaking through the the verses and uh, just to encourage conversation, encourage you to, you know, get into the word for yourself. It's okay to, to dig into it. And the Lord is faithful to uh, to show us all different things. You know, I'm I want to make sure I'm quoting this correctly, but this is just something that I've heard first off. Um, but I heard that there was basically the the Pharisees or those who that would study the Torah. They believed that there was a certain amount of layers that each scripture had to it. Um, I want to say it was around 70 layers, I believe, but I could be wrong on that number. But the point is there's multiple, multiple layers to each scripture. Um, and when you think about it, those layers are dependent on how deep you get in other aspects. You know, it's kind of like... Uh, kind of like a mining situation, you know, for you to dig, you know, if you just digged a hole, digged, if you just dug a hole that was like, you know, just three foot by three foot straight down, eventually the sides are going to cave in. For you to dig deeper in one area, you have to dig a larger circumference or dig a bigger hole so that the sides don't cave in on you as you are getting deeper. It's the same thing as we dig into scripture, we can meditate and focus on maybe one section of scripture or one truth that's in the word or one aspect of who God is in the word that he reveals himself. But the more we dig into depth, the more we need to make sure we're digging into the scripture that's around that is maybe not directly connected and, you know, but the deeper the hole, the wider it's got to be basically. So you got to have a, you know, at least a little bit of knowledge on everything to really go super in depth into one specific thing because there's multiple layers to each scripture. There's multiple elements to the Old Testament. There's multiple elements to the New Testament. All scripture has been, you know, divinely orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, you know, this podcast is digging into some different things. You know, we've if you've listened to the show before, if this again, this is your first time, you know, it's all about digging into different things and allowing the context and allowing other truth, maybe from different sections of scripture or different elements to come together to help us see the full picture of who our Redeemer, who Jesus is, because Jesus is, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the fullness of creation. And so there's, there's a lot of different things that we can get into with that. And I don't want to, again, like slide down a rabbit hole right off the bat, but Long story short, I just encourage you and want this podcast to be an encouragement to not only dig into just things that maybe you hear, you know, on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night service, but feel free to dig into some of those things that you might not have a, you know, a full grid for, but be willing to to read them. The Holy Spirit is an excellent teacher. And if you've been born again, your, you know, reading of the word of this book is alive. It's not just, you know information that you're pumping in your brain. It is conversation. It is the divinely written word of God. And it was the medium that God chose to to give it through. You know, God could have given us 
all kinds of different things. I mean, we're looking at technology now and all the different mediums that we have to convey a point or share a thought. You know, there's text message, of course, which is basically written thought still. But you got phone calls, you've got movies, you've got television, you've got artistic, there's music, there's all kinds of different thoughts. But yet the Lord, in all of his wisdom, he chose the written word to be the way that he conveyed things because there can be layers to written word. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that, but there's some really good stuff and God's not uh, foolish. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. So he's he knows what he's doing when he when he chose the Bible and, and his word and the Torah to be the the carrier, you know, the Ten Commandments. He wrote on tablets of stone, and then the New Testament talks about him writing on our tablets of our hearts. So there's some some cool, cool parallels there. Anyway, what are we actually going to look at today? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, Matthew chapter 21. I want to read. It talks about the parable of the two sons. Um, and verse 28 is where this starts. Matthew 21, 28 says, what do you think? Jesus talking says, what do you think? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered, the sons answered and said, I will not, but afterward repented and then went out. Verse 30, then he came to the second son and said, likewise, you know, go and work out in my field. The son then answers, I will go, sir, but then did not go. Verse 31, which of the two did the will of his father? Then they were answered. They said, the first, Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, but you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward repent and believe him. So there's obviously he's dealing with the Pharisees here. He's dealing with the um, the scholars of the day and those that were versed in the word or the scriptures. Um, and Jesus obviously is there right in front of them and there's no repentance in their heart. But again, there's this standing on, you know, I'm doing no wrong. And uh, I heard it, I'm trying to think of the exact story because I think this applies here. There was a, uh, the the sum of the story is this, there was a, a football player who got saved, a very, I guess, a famous football player, had a lot, a lot of money. And he came to a man with, you know, of course, he's been born again. He is seeing, you know, all that his affluency and his wealth can really do to benefit the kingdom of God, which is absolutely an amazing thing. And he came to a pastor and said, hey, number one, I want you to be my pastor. But then he started naming off all these things that he wanted to do for the ministry or what he wanted to build or start paying for, like all those kinds of things, which are amazing ideas. I'm not saying that's bad, but I am saying this. It's There's an interesting response that the pastor had to the man. And the pastor said this, I'm just going to shoot straight. He says, I'm so thankful and appreciative of you know all that you have in your heart. He said, but I want to ask you this question. He says, this is the question I want to ask you. Who in your life can tell you no? He said, I appreciate you asking me to be your pastor, but if, as your pastor, if I don't have the ability and the freedom to tell you no, then I can't be your pastor. And, you know, I think the, the man eventually came to that, but the, the point of, you know, who can tell you no? You know, all of us are to be subject to authority. That's why God gave us parents in the beginning. You know, we come into the earth, our parents are the first line of authority that we, we interact with. 
You know, and again, it's no wonder why the enemy has been so malicious to come at families, come at homes and come out, come at, excuse me, specifically the relationship between parents and their children, because that is the first line of an example that a person or a human has in this world of authority and how they learn to relate to good authority. You know, is authority in my life for my better or is authority in my life as a hindrance? You know, unfortunately, in in the Western world, a lot of times parents are looked at as a hindrance or they're old school or they don't understand or they don't appreciate me. They don't respect me. They don't, you know, help me pursue my dreams, but they're just, you know, fuddy duddies or always telling me no. And there's this huge stigma that somehow parents or the wisdom of your parent is is a hindrance. It's actually a threat to your dreams or your desires or whatever. And all of that is very self-centered wisdom and it is no protection from any harm. You know, where there's authority, there's protection too. And I, I don't know if everyone always realizes this. I know it's something when the Lord really revealed that to me, I was like, man, I'm so glad Jesus is the king of the universe and not me. Because if I was having to rule and take the blunt, you know, the brunt of, of all the weight of my decisions, you know, I mean, there is consequences, but I'm just saying like of every decision in the universe, you know, like with the, the world and every person, you know, Jesus is the one who is worthy. That's why in Revelation says, who is worthy of opening the scrolls? Well, there is one who is found worthy and that's Jesus. Why is he the king? Because there was a level of humility and there was a level of just submittedness that he walked and he walked in humility. He understands what it means to be tempted in all ways as we were tempted, but without sin. So there's this dynamic that Jesus understood authority and he respected authority you even look through, you know, the first miracle, he responds, his mother, right? She says, you know, basically, you know, it's, you know, do this, you know, have a miracle. They don't have any wine, right? And he goes, well, you know, my time has not come, right? So he's very clearly not agreeing that this is the time to be doing any sort of miracles. He's like, it's not, it's not time yet. Yet, nevertheless, when his mom makes the statement, says, just do as he says, and she makes a decision as his parent, right? Has the first line of authority, even though he's a fully grown man, right? He's a, he's a man. Like Jesus is not, he's not a kid at this point. He is, he is an adult, but yet he chose to honor his mother. Why is that? Because there's a level of authority and honor that God has established when he brings us into a family. When we're born to a mother and a father, no matter who they are or how they are, there's an element that God wants to establish. Now, every home is different and not everyone has been given and afforded, you know, a healthy home. Now this you know, how do you say, well, how do you answer that? You know, I didn't have a, a good home. I didn't have proper parents that, you know, took care of me or, you know, even understood anything that you're talking about, Sam. How, you know, how do I relate to this? Well, I want to encourage you with this. Number one, the Bible is absolute authority before any man. You know, the, there's the Lord. God is above any authority. All authority stems from him. So there is a level of submittedness that if we're just submitted to God, the rest will work itself out because God works through authority. But two, James talks about good religion and good religion. He says this good religion is, or perfect religion, good religion is that you would help the widows and the orphans in their plight. Now, what does that mean? It means the widow is someone who she's unable to have a healthy home dynamic, right? She has no husband. What is an orphan? They have no parents, There's no authority in their life. That is what good religion is. Good religion is to show people what loving, healthy authority 
looks like, what godly structure looks like, that there's a way that love can flow from the top. Love can flow from the bottom and can undergird you. You know, there's a way that authority can be demonstrated with a loving hand. You know, if there's those that have not experienced that, that's what the church, we're here to do that. If we're, we've been born again, we are here as ambassadors of Christ and of the Father, right? The Father of all creation. We here then can show, hey, this is what a good Father looks like. See, that's why Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what a good parent looks like, look to Jesus. If you did not have that example, look to how Jesus treated his disciples. Read the Gospels. Read the red letters. Read the epistles and see how Paul and, and Peter and some of them others and John, you know, they, they talk about different things even during the life of Jesus while he was on the earth and they express who he was and how he taught them and what he shared and all of those things. You can look and you can see a picture of what a healthy parent would even look like because Jesus said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. So if you want to see a healthy Father, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. So again, back to this parable here. He's talking about tax collectors, prostitutes. In other words, those were ones that typically, even even with this discussion that's been going, they did not have probably the healthiest of home lives. Typically, anyone who gets into a crime life or a life that is kind of against the norm did not have any sort of love at a young age. Typically those, you know, you see statistically, that's kind of the the bend. It's unfortunate. I'm not happy about it, but you see that kind of bend here. But yet there's hope for these people. In fact, Jesus emphasizes that them that would come in repentance or this, like the first son that initially is like, no, because they didn't have an ability to understand. No, I'm not going to do that. I've never seen that before. I've never heard of that before. What's this love you're talking about? What's Jesus? What's God all about? No, I don't want to have God. Like there's this initial, you know, resistance, but then there's something that happens and he, he clarifies, he says he repented and then went. In other words, there was a humble heart that was behind it. There was a realization that, hey, I don't have it all figured out. I I need, you know, I there's more to this. You know, I, I might resist this in the moment, but the more I think about it, the more I can't get away from it. My my heart's convicted and repentance has then been granted and then repentance is responded to from that person and they then go out into the field. Or you would say they then receive the love of Christ and are born again. This is a definite parallel to a lot of things that we we deal with in, in just society today. And it doesn't mean you have to be an absolute heathen to, you know, to come into the kingdom. That's not at all what I'm saying, but I am saying there is hope for everybody. Jesus did not just count everyone out or if because of one situation or a, a misunderstanding or a, or a bad, you know, start to this life. God's not going to give up. He's not giving up on us. He's not given up on us. But in fact, he's aware he is just he is faithful, and the Bible talks about multiple times how he is patient, and he does not regard time as we regard time, because it is his will that none should perish, but all should come to the knowledge or the light of truth of Jesus Christ and who his son is and what he accomplished on the cross and the redemptive work that Christ did for all of humanity. God has taken it. He's allowing time to go. Maybe for some people where you might think, you know, give up on them. They've just, you know, they, they've missed the boat. But nevertheless, God is still giving and giving because he wants them saved. He's not in it from an unfair place. God is, he's not unfair. No one at the end of their life, when we're all before the judgment seat of Christ, as we're all going to have to, you know, at the end of this life, you know, when that day comes, we're all going to stand there. No one's going to be able to point a finger at God 
and go, you weren't fair. You never gave me a chance. I never had a shot. There's no, there's no way. There's no one is going to be able to say that because God is fair. He's honest. And that is never going to be able to come into question. That's not, you know, us, the creation are going to look at the creator and go, you didn't do it right. He's the one that created us before we were in our mother's womb. He's the one that, you know, has ordered our steps. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He's the one who's planned out. He's given us gifts and talents and things to multiply in this life. He's given us more than enough. He's given us breath in our lungs. And yet we're going to look and say that wasn't fair. None of us are going to be able to do that because at the core of everything, God is fair. He is honest. Whether we had a rough start or we didn't have a rough start, he will help us get, he's the alpha, right? The beginning and the omega, the end from the beginning to the end. You know, not only is he in the beginning before we were formed in our mother's womb, but at the end of our life, when we fully come to the realization of all that Christ has done, and he's revealed all of who he is through his word, through his spirit, through other people, when that has come to the fruition, we then are able to come as a mature believer, as a mature person, and a mature human who is made, right, in his image. Because man, man and woman, they were made in the image of God. It says in Genesis, both male and female, he made, he created them in his own image. So we we all have a have an element of even who God is that we were made. We were made in his image, right? So anyway, I'm just, I'm very excited for this. And honestly, this probably wasn't the, the turn that I thought this conversation was going to take. But I just, you know, I believe with all my heart that God wants us to see the truth. And Jesus said this, he said, if you, you know, those that are of the truth, they will hear my voice. Those that want the truth. And when he's standing before Pilate, you know, Pilate even goes like, what is truth? You know, there's this element where you got to realize if we want the truth, we really want truth, not just a solution, not just an answer, not just some pain to be eased or just relief. But if we really want the truth of what is going on and we're seeking truth, we will, you will, find Christ. You will find his love. You will find his incredible justice on the cross, his fair and honest rule. He's not unfair. And then you think about the father, right? The scripture, he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. I encourage you to look that up. There's so many truths that are just, they're irrebutable. The Bible's irrefutable. The Bible talks about how God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's not changed his mind about man. He's not just up there, you know, like good one day or bad the other. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. God chose Jesus. He chose, right? He said, blessed are you, Mary. You know, like when Jesus came into the earth, there was this this decision that was made where the last Adam would redeem at the appointed time, would redeem all of humanity and God's family would be redeemed back to himself and he would have relationship with his kids once again and love would be able to be multiplied throughout the earth. The the grace of God, right? What is grace? Grace is the ability to walk out what God sees in you and what God's placed in you. Grace is the ability to to stand and look at truth and look at light and walk in it. Even though the flesh might be like, you know, at odds with it, but there's there's grace to overcome the the natural carnal mind that, you know, might say some things or even some of the elementary uh, spirits of this world or things that we deal with, you know, in the, in the spirit realm. There's all of this ability that's been given to us for the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in us. There's so much on our side, you guys. There's so much batting for us. And our Redeemer, right? There's a reason we call him our 
Redeemer because we have been redeemed. That's not a cute phrase. We have literally been redeemed. We've been purchased by the blood of his cross, his body that was broken for us. We have been redeemed. When you're born again, you're a new life. It's a new creation before God and before man. There's a there's an element of who you are that is you're never the same. You're never the same. And there's levels of things that you can get into when you've been born again that you just you can't even grasp until you've been born again. So anyway, that's I think about all that I have to say about this, but I I do want to encourage you even in this parable. The repentant heart, the honest heart is the one that, you know, that did the will of the Father. And I encourage you, if there's anywhere in your life that you feel conviction, you know, or you feel like, man, I need to change this, that's the repentance being offered. You know, the Lord, you know, the Bible talks about, don't you know that whom the Lord loves, he corrects or he chastens? Haven't you forgot the edification of the Lord? I believe it's in Hebrews, that whom the Lord loves, he corrects or he chastens. You know, and the Bible talks about his rod and staff comforts me, I think in Psalms. So like the rod and staff that's typically associated with a little nudge, you know, and sometimes a little thwack, you know, a little little pop with the, with the stick. If you've ever dealt with an animal, you got to kind of push them a little bit or a sheep, you know, that's not a bad thing. It's I care about you. I want you to go in the right direction. And sometimes things, if there's anything in your heart, again, I say that to say, do you feel anything in your heart where it's like, man, I need to change this or I don't think this is right or I'm just... This is creating kind of an icky feeling in my, you know, my soul or my heart. You know, me doing this just doesn't feel proper. It doesn't feel clean. doesn't feel pure. That's repentance being given to you. It's, it's grace is literally at your doorstep saying, hey, I'm right here. I'm ready. Are you going to take me? Are you going to, are you going to grab hold of the grace in the hand that's been extended to you to pull you up higher? You know, or are we just going to let him keep knocking on the door? I encourage you open the door. Let the Holy Spirit lead your lead your heart because it's from knock on the door, knock on the door, or glory to glory, as the Bible calls it. You know, there's elements where we, we grow more and more. You know, God brings increase. He extends the hand. The Bible says that the Father is seeking, seeking true worshipers. In other words, He's looking with His hands out. You know, the parable of the prodigal son, it says He was looking on the horizon when He spotted the son that was returning. So He was looking. He was actively searching and extending his his gaze out upon those who would turn back to him. So God's looking for you. He's right there ready to meet you. Just as soon as you let, you know, you open the door, you let him in, you say, hey, you know, Lord, I repent. <laughs> I was wrong. I should have never done that. I, I thought wrong. I thought I was right. You know, but Jesus, he died. I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying. Just allow that, that conversation to happen. Those that call on the name of the Lord, confess you know, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I mean, all those things. Romans talks about it. There's tons and tons of scripture available about it. So anyway, I encourage you guys to just dig into the scripture a little bit more. That's all this conversation's about. And I appreciate every one of you guys that listen. And um, I think that's about, yeah, I'm really going to wrap this up this time. I've, I've, my Midwestern uh, element is coming out. I think I said I was going to finish like three times, but this, this is really the one I do really, really appreciate you guys. If you got more questions about who I am, you can check out the website spellmanministries.org for more information about myself or my family or the ministry. Check out the description of the podcast or the little, you know, the text box of your podcast, whatever platform you're listening on. There should be links to everything you need there. So yeah, thank you so much for listening again and uh, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.